Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners in Nebraska and other places to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Padesh in California, and I'm joined with my co-host and friend, Liz Feldstrom in Jerusalem. Liz, how are you? Anything new going on with you? Hey there. Uh, doing good here. We are into July, full swing summer, and Jerusalem is a happen city this past uh, few days. We got all kinds of stuff going on. Maybe we'll talk about some of them today. Hopefully, but you teased me a little earlier today with an, one, an only in Israel kind of story. What, what is that story? <laughs> so I have a few of these only in Israel stories. And a new one was added to my memory banks this week. So I was leaving a makolet, like a corner grocery store. And one of the workers of the store was walking out at the same time. And we walked out of the store. And immediately next to the store is a public playground. And a truck that belongs to the Jerusalem municipality and has on it a high pressure hose was parked next to this playground washing the playground right not not unusual none of this is unusual yet and the employee from the corner store said to the municipal employee who he doesn't know from a hole in the wall hey I see you have this hose here. Would you do me a favor and wash my car? It's parked right here. And the municipal worker said, no, I will not wash your car. I'm here doing my job cleaning the public park playground for the city. And the the guy proceeded to yell at him and badger him and say, why won't you do it? It'll only take a minute. It's no trouble. Give it to me. I'll do it myself. It's not reasonable that you're not willing to wash my car. And he yelled at the guy until the guy, I guess, figured, okay, the only way I'm going to get this guy to leave me alone is to wash his car. And the poor municipal worker went and washed the guy's car himself with this high pressure hose attached to his truck. And, you know, this struck me as one of those only in Israel moments that there is no shame and no limit to the level of chutzpah of the guy in the store saying, of course, you have a hose, you're here. Of course, it's reasonable that I should ask you to touch my car. So just another one of those moments. That's that's one for the records. I've not uh, experienced (laughs) that before, but I can imagine, I can picture it happening. And part of that goes to the informality of how People are in Israel. Everybody has a connection with Israel and or with each other. And it's like family. You, why wouldn't you ask your brother to wash your car for you, right? right? For better or for worse. And your brother will have no problem saying back to you, leave me the heck alone. I have no desire to wash your car, dude. Exactly. But I, that's, a, that's a good story. I, I think that uh, it's one for our future conversations of unique things that take place in Israel, which I know there are lots of them. Uh, primarily things that take place in the marketplace. But um, it was nice that the you know municipal employee actually washed his car. My first thought was, since you said it was a high-powered hose, it would probably break something on the car, and then the guy would go ballistic uh, and sue the city for the municipality's worker 
destroying the car. So yeah, no, so not in the time that I saw. It's not that high power. I mean, it's enough to like clean off a playground, you know. But I think a car can withstand it. So thank you for that story. It's good. I have a couple of questions and ideas for us to talk about today. We haven't spoken in a couple of weeks, and I know there's a lot of stuff going on in Israel. There are two very, I would say, interesting current events types of things taking place in Israel this week. Uh, one is the the visit by President Biden coming this week. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have anything to say about that. Uh, well, I'm not privy to any, you know, super secret information and pretty sure he's not planning to come see me while he's here. But I can share with you from my little corner of the universe in preparation for Biden visit. So we live about mm, maybe a 10 minute walk from a large parking lot. This is the parking lot of the first station, which people might be familiar with. It's a fairly recently renovated area with shopping and restaurants, and it has a large parking lot attached. And this parking lot apparently is the designated landing zone for President Biden's helicopter and the other helicopters that will be accompanying his entourage. But in order to prepare this parking lot to serve as the landing place, quite a bit of work was done. So over the past uh, week and a half or so, we've seen the, and at first we did not know what on earth was going on in this parking lot. They removed all of the streetlights, right, that were scattered throughout the parking lot and I guess would make it hard for a helicopter to land. So they they just took them out. And then all of the sort of raised sidewalk medians in various places in the parking lot, they took those out as well. So it's now one big flat giant area. And today they held the practice landings. So for a good part of the afternoon, there were helicopters going back and forth directly over our apartment, super loud. You could see them right out the window. Um, Both what I believe are Israeli helicopters and also the president's, you know, actual, his helicopter that has already been brought here um, that he will be flying in when he's in the city. So it's been exciting. So that's, that is very exciting. One, I would think it would be kind of under the cover of darkness. So people wouldn't know what the plans were, but obviously there's nothing in Jerusalem that everybody doesn't know about. So <laughs> there is no undercover of darkness. It's all out there. Um, so will you go and observe when he comes in this week? Um, I, I don't think we'll have to go, right? I mean, we'll know when those helicopters come in and out. The, the hotel where he'll be staying, he's staying at the King David Hotel, which is where uh, U.S. presidents and other important heads of state typically stay. Um, that entire street will be closed to all traffic for the duration of his visit. Um, foot traffic can still come through, but I mean, I don't think I'm going to walk there just to hope for a glimpse. But my guess is that, you know, we'll see some motorcade or some interesting helicopter at some point without having to try too hard. So uh, that's interesting, all the disruption to the city and the excitement of having a U.S. president come to Israel. It's 
kind of a great um, you know, feature story to experience. It's also a Muslim holiday. So is that impacting the preparation for all of this and closing the roads? I don't know if they overlap or not, but I know that there's the holiday taking place now. It's the end of uh, end of Ramadan holiday, isn't it? The Eid? It's not the end of Ramadan. It's a Eid al-Adha, which is a, a separate holiday. It has to do with the pilgrimage to Mecca. And it's a four-day holiday. I think um, ending on the, the day before President Biden arrives. So they don't totally overlap. But in terms of transportation, I'll just say that it does make a big difference. I think close to 50% of the public bus drivers in Jerusalem are Muslims. And so many of the bus lines, you know, now and for the next couple of days are running less frequently. Um, And you can, you know, it makes a difference, obviously, in a city. So buses are a little more crowded. But uh, but it's a holiday, and of course we want people to be able to to celebrate the holiday. Some some stores are closing early for the next couple of days so that people can observe, etc. That's great. So it's an interesting timing coincidence, but not overlapping. I, I hope that when we speak next week, that you can have some good uh, stories about President Biden's visit. I know it's been kind of in the planning for a while, and he's off to Saudi Arabia after this. Lots of uh, Potential good work can come from this. Uh, so we'll see how it, it evolves and what comes of it. The other happenings this week are the Maccabi Yah Games. It's kind of the sports, the Olympics of the Jewish world. I know that well, quite a few countries are participating. It takes place every four years. And it's an opportunity for really people to come together and, and uh, excel at their sports. Are you seeing any activity around the Maccabi Yad games or any insight into it? Uh, so, yes. So there will be activity here in Jerusalem. The, so the Maccabi Yad games, as you said, typically happen every four years. This one was um, postponed one year just as the uh, Tokyo Olympics were because this these Olympics always have to follow those by one full year because there is a certain overlap in athletes, even though the Maccabi um, games are for amateurs or not for professional athletes. There are Olympic athletes who participate. So the two can't be exactly at the same time. Uh, and I think that most people may not realize how enormous these games are. So you said there were a number of countries participating. That's true. I think there are about 60 countries that are sending delegations for a total of some 10,000 athletes, which just to compare, I believe there were 11,000 athletes in the Tokyo Olympics. So this is almost as big as the Olympics, Um, obviously not on the same level of competition or on the world stage, but size-wise and logistic-wise and organization-wise, a very big deal. The and and the games themselves, it doesn't have one sort of Olympic village, right? As we might be familiar with from from the Olympic Games, there is a central location, um, the um, the Maccabi Village in Amatgan, which houses uh, a certain number of the athletes. I think only about seven hundred of the athletes actually sleep there, and certain of the sports take place there. They have 
the swimming pools and the basketball courts and the tennis courts, et cetera, et cetera. But there are other events and parts of the competition that take place elsewhere. So for example, the ice hockey competition, which sounds like, I don't know, ice like hockey not is... a sport I necessarily associate with Jews so much. Well, but well, actually... you, don't, you don't, you don't really think about it as a desert sport either. Either. Right. Um, but the ice hockey uh, is supposed to be the sport that, at least in this year's competition, is actually at the highest level in as it relates to how that sport is played globally. So the ice hockey is supposed to be at a very high level this year. And those games will be played in Jerusalem at the Teddy Arena. And the other large chunk of the games happens farther north in Nagia, which is where all of the junior Maccabi games happen, those in the under-18 age bracket. And they have uh, several days not only of their athletic competitions, but of an educational component as well. Because, you know, if we're bringing together teenage Jews from all around the world, of course, we want them to also have a certain amount of learning about Israel, learning about Judaism, learning, getting to know one another, so that that part of the event happens as well. I, I'm I'm just baffled how you compared the participation of athletes to the Olympics, that mm -hmm. 11,000 were in Tokyo and 10,000 were in Israel, 60 countries. That's a significant number of Jews participating from around the world. Yeah, the largest delegation, maybe not surprisingly, is from the U.S. I, I, this year, I think they're sending about 1,400 athletes just from the U.S. So that's a very large delegation. You want to guess what the second and third largest delegations are? I would say Israel would be the second. No. Uh-oh. England? No. France? Oh, Canada. Canada's the third. Good. Yeah, oh, Canada's the third. And the second largest delegation. Uh, no. And surprise. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now people will know this is not pre-recorded. It's really <laughs> on the spur of the moment. Sorry to have put you on the spot That's like that. Okay. Alex. Okay. The second largest delegation, which is surprising when we think about the economic situation in that country, is from Argentina. Oh, really? Well, there's a large yes. Jewish population in yeah. Argentina. Um, Israel will have about 300 athletes participating. No, sorry, I take that back. Um, three 3,000. So you know what? Maybe Israel is the largest. The U.S. is the largest foreign delegation. So okay. you were right. Well, either way, it's usually the host country has the most number of Right, yes. So yes, Israel so is the biggest. Any of the any sports besides ice hockey that's intriguing to you? So I think the other one that people will be keeping their eyes on is the swimming, because we will have two Olympic gold medalists here for the for the competition. Um, that? So that's pretty exciting. The oh gosh, uh, what's the guy's name? Leisenberg, Leidenberg. Do you remember from the? <laughs> no, I I don't know. I, you don't I, remember. I'd have to um, Lenny Kreiselberg, something like that. Kreiselberg, yes, thank you, Kreiselberg, and the other guy, something with a B, Bino, Brino. I don't know. You're, you're, you're killing you're, these guys' names. 
I, you're like, better at numbers than me. I should have done. I should have done some preparation for this. No, but Crazelberg, yes. So he's coming, and and there's another gentleman, um, also from the U.S. Also won a gold in the most recent uh, Olympics in swimming. Wow. Um, so so people will be keeping their eyes on that one probably. And then there's also a new sport this year, I think. Uh, some paddle ball, which is like a combination of squash and tennis. Not pickleball. They they're not calling it pickleball. I don't know. Is pickleball a combination of squash and tennis? Does it use walls? No, it doesn't use walls. No, so it's not that. It's called paddle paddle ball or just paddle. Um, and that is a new okay. sport this year. Will you have an opportunity to? to see any of the sports where you take your kids to see any of the activities? I, I don't think that we'll see any of them live, but I hope that we will see some of them televised. That's exciting. Well, you'll have to keep us informed of these uh, wonderful sports. It's a great, it's a great uh, opportunity to showcase Israel around the world. If we have 60 countries participating. I think that's awesome. To showcase Israel around the world um, and and but also to bring you know Jews from every walk of life that are you know on every part of the spectrum of affiliation but feel at least on some level that they're Jewish and share a love of some kind of sport together. And that's pretty that's pretty powerful, which is why the Maccabi games have lasted for 90 years. 90 years. Okay. Yes. That's... It's been 90 years since they first started. A hiatus in the middle, of course, during World War II. Um, but for with that exception, they've uh, yeah, been going on for, for 90 years. So we'll do an update. When we speak again next week, you'll fill us in on the results and any exciting happenings. Um, the other exciting happening in Israel is one that you and I really like to talk about, and, and that's the current status of the Knesset, the government. Uh, and, you know, we, we held our breath for a year and a week, and it, and it, it dissolved. Where are we with the upcoming announcement of elections, and, and who's a frontrunner? So... You might think that with three months or so to go before the elections that we would have some inkling of who the front runner is, but you would be wrong. Not only <laughs> it's not possible to say like who a front writer front runner might be at this point. We don't even know which parties will be running um, because of the way. Israeli politics works. So now there are still negotiations going on with various parties deciding to join or separate or form or what have you. And that process will still continue for a little while now. Um, so, you know, can't really say exactly what's going to happen because we don't yet know who the, who the parties are. Um, but it, Seems likely, I guess, that we'll maybe be in a similar situation to last time in that 
there will not be any party that has a sweeping majority of seats. And so some very complex uh, negotiations will need to happen to see if there is some way of getting to 61. And it means that also like last time, we may wind up with a party that's relatively small, but having quite a lot of power because they'll be the ones that can be the, the tipping point, right? They'll be the ones that make a difference of getting to 61 or not. And they will have now benefit from the experience of seeing some really creative ways of how you can leverage that power in terms of splitting the prime ministerial role, right? Asking to go first in that role, getting to decide who is and is not in the cabinet. I mean, there's a lot of decisions that one can sort of push for and and different ways, different factors to negotiate on when you're the the seats between forming a government and not. So it should be interesting. So we will continue to stay um, on top of this topic because it'll be something that we talk about probably every week that we talk. But with President Biden coming to Israel and Prime Prime Minister Lapid being prime minister, this is his second week as prime minister, it'll be a good boost for him in uh, the public space and public view. Is he excited about this visit? Do you know? Um, I I think that, I mean, my guess is that he probably <laughs> is excited for, for the reason that you just mentioned, right? Because it has a lot of potential in terms of being widely viewed publicly. People will be paying attention. Even ahead of the visit, you mentioned that from Israel, Biden will go directly to Saudi Arabia. Um, And both Biden and Lapid have made comments about the importance of strengthening relationships in the region in general and between Saudi Arabia and Israel in particular, you know, ahead of this visit. And so, you know, having all of that constellation happening is is an opportunity to, you know, create dialogue and open up possibilities for relationships that haven't existed until now. And so we'll see. If Lapid's a, you know, international relations skill that he's been working on for the past, you know, year plus, more in that role, uh, get to be called upon now. It's exciting. So lots of us, lots of things for us to pay attention to over the week. I look forward to reconnecting with you next week after uh, President Biden has been to Israel. The Maccabi Games will be in full force and we'll just see what's going on. Anything else you want to share today? I think we have covered it all. We we have covered a lot. Um, thank you all for listening to Israel Rebound. And uh, we will post um, some updates in the notes about the Maccabi Games and maybe President Biden's visit to Israel. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week.